We've got a Halloween treat up next for you. U.S. 800-meter stars Raven Rogers and Ajay Wilson in separate interviews. This came about serendipitously. Ajay was making the media rounds for Thorne, a health and supplement company, promoting their Better Health campaign. And then Raven reached out. She was going to be in Chicago for the Bank of America Chicago Marathon, where her sponsor Nike is heavily involved. We weren't in Chicago, but we talked to her for over 40 minutes. Ajay for nearly 14. Both of them up next. They're actually good friends. Raven just had her 25th birthday. Guess who was at the party? Ajay Wilson. You don't want to miss hearing from the number two and number four all-time fastest 800-meter runners in the U.S. And also, get your electrolytes without the junk. Try Drink Element. That's... Go to drinklmnt.com slash let's run for a free sample pack. They'll send you six different flavors. No dodgy ingredients, no sugar, no gluten. It's even vegan friendly. You pay just $5 shipping. And if you don't like it, I'll refund your five bucks personally. Here's Raven first, followed by Ajay. Enjoy. We've got the honor to be joined by Raven Rogers, the bronze medalist at the Olympics, silver medalist at the World Championships, a five-time individual 800-meter champion at the University of Oregon. She never lost an 800 meters at the NCAA level. Raven, we think, what, a two-time relay champion? We can't even count. A world youth bronze medalist. And I don't know if I knew this or forgot it, you ran 53 and 206 as a 12 year old. And now the 25 year old, Raven Rogers. Happy birthday and congratulations on the great season. Thank you. Before we get into the season, I was looking at your Instagram and it looks like you're enjoying the fruits of your labors because I see you got honored at the Houston Texans game. You had a Raven Rogers day at your school, Kincaid. Looks like you've been on, a, on some boats. Any other cool things you've been doing? It sounds like it's been a, a fun time for you since the Olympics. It's been a lot of fun. I think my birthday party slash rental party was one of my most favorites because of just just having like family there and so many like friends there, but also like some of my track friends there, like Ajay was there and Kendra Chambers. It was a fun time. And so that was definitely one of my uh, most fun moments. And was the party in Houston or was it? It was in Houston. Well, congrats. I'm, sh- I'm sure it looked great on Instagram. And I'm sure also like with the Olympics, I saw it was your mom's birthday the day you got the bronze medal. But it, it, it probably had to be a bit weird having no fans and from, you know, family at the Olympics, right? It definitely was weird. But I mean, at the same time, I just feel like I haven't gotten that full experience yet because world championships wasn't full either so it almost felt like world championships and I tried to just kind of remind myself like I mean I guess at the same time I wasn't as kind of freaked out by the pressure of the Olympics just because my first team was world championships and so it sort of felt like world championships 
I'm not sure I'm following you, but I guess at Worlds you did so well, so you you just said, "Oh, I could do great at no. Olympics." Is that kind of what you're saying? wasn't a lot of fans and it was still very kind of low-key but it was my first team and so like more of the hype from the olympics came from i feel like everyone around it but for an athlete it's it's another team that we're aiming to make of course being an olympian is something that has so much more weight to it and just longevity of course but as an athlete i feel like the way we're kind of trained is like there's that one team of the year that you want to make. And and so the Olympic team was that team for me. That makes sense. That makes sense. I had such great success at all these different levels, but is doing it at the Olympics, do you get way more recognition? Just seeing like, oh, there's Raven Rogers Day. You're honored at the school. The average person probably doesn't realize, you know, a world championship silver medal, does that not mean nearly as much as an Olympic bronze medal? I feel like people, the thing is, is that with the Olympics, it's, it's kind of really that nation versus like country versus other country type of um, nationality pride. And so in the, it's all the events, all the sports in one area, world championships, although every other sport has world championships, they're not all the same weekend or in the same place. So I feel like it's harder to follow. And so, of course, Olympics is easier to follow because there's more global attention where all everyone in the world are focusing in this one event that's focusing on many different sports at this one venue, as well as the Paralympics. And so I feel like being a part of Olympians kind of like being like, a part of a club <laughs> like you know being an olympian is probably like being a part of a club that you know just people have followed for many years you know and people are able to kind of track what olympians are sort of doing once you get that title and so i feel like more of the attention came from the olympic <laughs> just being an olympian before even being an olympic medalist you know even compared to the world championship medal for sure even as when I was a kid, everybody dreams of being an Olympian. They don't really, as a kid, I didn't know what the world championships were. Right. <laughs> if you told me, hey, you can go to Doha and be in the world championships, I'd be like, cool, but I really want to be in the Olympics. Yeah. Let's go back and talk about this season because, well, first you had a new coach. You switched to Pete Julian's group. Mm-hmm. And obviously it, it turned out really well. We can talk about the coaching change in, in a second, but from big picture perspective, you PB'd at the Olympic trials, won what, 57, I think six there. Mm-hmm. And then you brought it again at the Olympics, took almost another second off there, 156.8. Do you feel like you did everything you could have done this year or do you see what a thing did and you're like, oh, there was more in the tank this year? How do you feel about the season? I feel like more of what I feel like about my season is more so pertaining to me individually. It doesn't have any effect on any other runner. And so when I reflect on my times and stuff, if anything, I reflect on the meets that were happening afterwards, I'm like, you know, I could have done a couple more races <laughs> post-Olympics, post-pre. And it's only because I felt like it it just would have been fun to kind of see um, 
how much more I could drop my time because I was in such good shape. Plus, I started my season competitively in April. So it makes sense to kind of get some more races in. Um, so that's the only kind of looking back at moment I had where I'm like, oh, you know, I could have done a couple of more Diamond League meets or so. But I mean, honestly, I was really excited to come back home because it was already a very um, emotional, very kind of um, intense year mentally. And I was just ready for that break. That makes sense. Because also, I think people sort of, well, it's easy to forget now, but heading into the Olympics, you were running 159th, but, and I think a lot of people said, oh, Raven brings it at Hayward Field, but your last race before the Olympics, you were sixth place, one, I mean, for the trials, 159.7. So did you feel a ton of pressure coming into the trials, or were you very confident that you were going to make the team? Kind of what was the thought process there? Well, the reality is that leading up to trials, I, like, shortly I had found out a month prior to that I was anemic. And so trials was actually my first race being healthy. And so, of course, you just kind of have to just trust your training and trust that things are going to still go right. And, I mean, I didn't have the best confidence. I had a lot of anxiety going into trials um, just because also being like the last event, you know, the being the 800 towards the end and you see all these people with all the emotions that Olympic trials brings. I mean, you're just kind of anxious to just, you know, get out there and get after it. Um and so I just went into it with, you know, knowing the training I went through, but also somewhat grounded and reassuring by my coach. Pete is, you know, does a great job with just being reassuring um, of just training and just just genuinely um, trusting in the athlete. And he I feel like he poured some of that positivity towards me that gave a little bit of confidence going into trials. I forgot to mention you're one of, what is it, five athletes on the tower at, at the new Hayward Field. Mm-hmm. Um, the only female athlete. So do you feel any extra pressure at Hayward or it's just your backyard? I feel like it's more so my backyard. I mean, my thing is that people that have seen me um, – People that have seen me grow throughout college and now as a professional, I mean, there's an understanding and the support and love is still there when I return. And so with that being said, you know, I just, I more so get excited to have that return back to Hayward. When you found out you were going to be on the tower, like, what did that mean to you? Initially, I didn't know that I was going to be the only woman on the tower, and I didn't know it was just going to be five of us. They had just told me that I was going to be on the tower, and so I was really excited. I'm just the type of person that, you know, just really just focuses on um, working hard and controlling what I can control, you know, and, and that's just how I am. And so when they told me I was going to be on the tower, I was just really, you know, t- really grateful and appreciative Um and just feeling really blessed. I mean, you don't, all you could do is just kind of make a great impression and be yourself. And I'm just like so blessed that I was able to impact so many people 
in the lives of so many people and to share that triple crown moment with the fans, you know, and, you know, be able to represent so many of the women that came into Oregon, came through Oregon, um, you know, on the tower. It's a tremendous honor. Congratulations. Thank you. You've kept the the ball rolling since you've been up there. So it's, it's pretty cool. You're the only still sort of competing athlete on the tower. So I, yeah, it's like, whoa, they're still honoring someone still competing. You know, they're supposed to honor really old people, but it looks like it was a very good choice. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the Olympics. You make the team. So a lot of the pressure is gone. You head over to Tokyo. So I guess Pete could go over there, right? So like you do have some of your own coaches, but no family, no friends. Is, is that the situation? Yes. So even the coaches, the coaches couldn't be in the village. They stayed p had to walk two miles every day two or four miles every day to the stadium so yeah they weren't allowed in a village or anything and um just him and dave our shin the conditioning coach they were the only two that were there a part of our group and so you're in the village is it fun before the olympics or are you more just nervous like trying to compete I had I actually had fun. I had a great time just taking everything in. You know, it's just one of those things that you, I was very just having those moments of just being grateful because, I mean, I can always just hope to make the next team and, of course, aim to make the next team and set goals. But I wanted to focus on the position I was in at that moment and really just take everything in for what it was. So I actually took that time. And it made me that much more um, just excited to get out there and compete. I assume you didn't get to do opening ceremonies? No, I didn't get to do opening ceremonies with the rule that they had about the um, coming uh, five days before your event. So you, you got to make another Olympic team. because I know, to get the whole experience. Yeah. I think most people would rather have the Olympic medal, but I think for the, like... I dreamed of making an Olympic team, but I would have been more of a tourist. So I for sure would have been really bummed if I didn't get to do the ceremonies. But I think you've got at least one or two more Olympics in you. So you'll get that taken care of. We got LA 2028. You'll still be what? If you're 25 now, you'll be you'll be 32. Yeah. That's right up your alley. Right. <laughs> so then we come to the the final. It's kind of... Well, a thing was running great, but it's kind of, I'd say she's the favorite. And you kind of did what I would say you did at the trials, right? You came from way behind that last straight. You closed like a, a, I don't know, like a, people say freight train, but freight trains are slow. You close like a bullet train and get the bronze medal. Kind of talk us through the race, the final. Yeah, so the final was faster, of course, than the semis and the prelims. Um, I feel like the first two rounds were rather slow for a championship, but okay. Um, You know, and so the final, of course, it's going to be fast because that's when everything kicks off. Um, And so my, I feel like my awareness wasn't the best, and it's something that as an athlete I am growing in. So, of course, everyone knows, like, I have, like, a kick and all this stuff. And that's actually something I've been doing since I was, like, five. 
is more so just branching off from the rest of, you know, that, that skill alone and that gift alone was something that I had since I've been, since I was younger, but it's just on a broader scale. And of course on a global scale now where people are able to see the gift that I've been blessed to have. But I mean, throughout the race, like the race is going. And of course the pace on the first lap was very quick. And I, I just sort of, I wasn't as aware about positioning. I wasn't the best aware that I could be about positioning. And I didn't really click into it until coming off of like the 120 because me and the athlete from China were kind of neck and neck. And I was just like, you know, why does she keep bumping? Like, what is she doing? And that's when it all clicked. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I need to get away from her. Like, you know, she just keeps bumping. I need to get away. So I started moving and then I realized shortly that um, I was in striking distance of third. And so I was just like, in the race, I'm like, I should go for third. Like, you know, it's still into metal. I'm bringing something home. And so I went for third. And yeah, it was, it was the, it was the weirdest 156 ever. Like I, you know, I mean, of course I never run 156, but you know, you kind of expect it to come a different way. <laughs> what you thought you'd be more up there when you ran that fast or what, what, what do you mean by that? I don't know. I just wouldn't, I would just think that I, I mean, of course a 156 for everyone feels and looks different, but I, I mean, I didn't expect like the thing is, of course, in those races, adrenaline is carrying you a lot of the way. And so it was just one of those things that I didn't even realize I'd run that fast. Yeah. So you knew you had the bronze when you finished? You were what, 0.09 ahead of Jim Ariki? Or were you, was there some doubt? I wasn't positive, but I was sure. Uh, like I wasn't so sure. Like, you know, I, I know I got it, but I, I saw her when I was crossing the line, when I, you know, had to lean out. And so I, I remember passing her up, but I wasn't so sure about where it was in regards to like the finish line. That makes sense. And one of my favorite moments from the Olympics, I wasn't there, two other guys from Let's Run were, but was on on the TV, a thing like, there looked like a moment, she like looked at the scoreboard and saw you got the bronze and she seemed like genuinely happy for you. And I was like, that's just great sportsmanship. Is that the case? Did she say something to you? It, it seemed, at least on TV, that that was the situation. Of course. Um, and that's the thing that, you know, that is so, um, like, re- I respect a lot about her is that she, you know, she's a competitive athlete, but she's also just a genuine, nice, sweet person. And, you know, even, even like, the thing is that we had a talk with Madeline Manning Mims and Ajay, you know, talked to Madeline as well. And, you know, this that was a big time where it was Olympics and the only person that had medaled was Madeline. And so it was just this understanding that, you know, we wanted to make Madeline proud. And so, of course, with a big rivalry between the Brits and the U.S. when it comes to the 800, um, of course, I wanted to get as high as I could and, you know, and I think vice versa with a thing. And 
you know, just having her go after it, even with that same spirit of proudness that she had for me to get third, I was proud to be on the medal stand and to still have an American flag going up, you know, first, um, because the anthem was still playing. And it was just one of those things that it was, it was, it's hard to describe, but it was, it was a very like sweet, proud moment for me, for her as well. Yeah, it was a great moment for the U.S. And, and when did you guys talk to Madeline Manning? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was leading. I think it was leading up to it was leading up to like when we would start competing. Like when you were in Tokyo, you like called her on the phone or she she was there or what? No, she wasn't there. It was over a um, message. And it, did you know her before that? Because I think her story is amazing. Like we had her on the podcast last year. Like I feel like she doesn't get the the recognition she should in the U.S. It's pretty amazing how good she was. Yeah, I met her because of my mentor. My mentor introduced me to her when I was at work in during trials. I think my first time. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And it kind of turning back to what a thing did. You run 156. It's a great run, but she runs 155.2, wins the gold medal, and she's a, you know, what, 19 year old American? Mm -hmm. Does that change like your expectations of what you think is possible for yourself? Or how do you view it? It seems like there's very good camaraderie between the US women. And there's, I mean, you got the US has been the best at the 800 collectively for a decade. Right. With Alyssa Montano and Brenda Martinez and now you guys. I mean, Ajay sort of definitely sort of wet it for three or four years. And then you in 2019 and now a thing. But what do you think about her success this year? Are you already raising your sights? Like, well, I got to run 154. Kind of how do you view that? No, I don't I don't think that way. I think more so of me and my progress individually. Um And that's just been something that I feel like has brought me just so much more, I guess, appreciation for my path because everyone has their own path. And so in in regards to that question, it's more so me being excited for everything that she's accomplishing. I'm genuinely excited for the things that she's accomplishing and being so young because she is inspiring you know, and to be able to kind of see and get a feel for her personality off the track and just aside from when we're on the track is, you know, she's a great person and she works hard and she's very deserving. And so, but at the end of the day, like that doesn't affect me and my goals. Like my goals still are what they are, you know? And so all I can do is just be happy for her. Everybody wants to win, but the vast majority of people are just trying to do their best individually. And, you know, you'd never run faster than you did that day at the Olympics. So you got to be pretty pleased with that. Yeah. So you you talk about your goals. What are the goals? I mean, you have Eugene 2022 next year, but like in terms of next year, are you focused on place? Are you always about winning or time? Just keeping improving. What would you say the number one goal is for next year? I mean, it's just something that, comes with growth in the sport I mean the thing is that every year is different and you my my all in all 
motto, mantra, everything is progression. As long as I'm progression, even if it's the slightest bit, if if I placed, I don't know, fifth out of meet last year and I placed fourth out of meet this year, I'm still counting that as progression. And so as long as I'm progressing, that's still reassuring to me that I'm going in the right direction. And I mean, I've been progressing each year, so it means I'm doing something right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, since you mentioned progression, let's jump back to your sort of start in running. I mean, you were like an age group phenom, but f- from what I understand, you were in the 800 as like a five or six year old. Yeah. Your grandfather was kind of a prominent track coach. You ran 206 and 53 as a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know where in this story you want to sort of pick it up and kind of talk us through your through through the history, but it's a may I don't know. Uh, and then also there's the issue of like a lot of especially young girl phenoms, a lot of them don't progress. Yeah. You seem to have a very refreshing attitude and you've you've continued to progress, but I don't know, let's kind of rewind your start and track. Like how do you think you've been able to keep progressing? even with that early sort of instantaneous success that as a 12 year old, because most people, to be honest, who are great at 12, aren't great at 25. It's definitely something that I understand is something I've been, it's cliche, but it's honestly a blessing. Like, like you just said it, not a lot of people have lasted that long. Um, and to continue to be successful and progress, I mean, that's like God working with my talent in itself. Like, it sounds very cliche, but it's not cliche because everyone's not in that position, <laughs> you know, um, especially having ran since five um, and still running. And so, um, I mean, it also comes a balance. Like, I actually... As much I'm, I'm a competitor when it comes to the sport, and I, I have high expectations for myself. But I also understand that having a life outside of track is very important to me. And I mean, I have friends that have done track, but our conversations aren't track related. And so I know how to separate track and life, like my my non track life. And I think that. You know, being an art major and having that creative side, pre, you know, provides the balance to be excited about other things that are just happening in the world um, and really bond over conversations and topics that aren't track related. So I think just that mental break alone of doing things that I enjoy doing, um, aside from my enjoying with track and what I do improving and improving with track. Um, that is part of the reason also why I'm still in it and still having a positive look and perspective towards my career. You seem to have that. You seem to be very balanced. I mean, maybe when you're having a success, it's easy to say that, but I mean, what, we can only run or work out, what, a couple hours, four hours a day max or something. There's a lot of other time to, to fill the time. And it, it sounds like you, you know, you realize you're, you're not that you don't work out, but you, you're you kind of blessed, right? With, with this talent. And it's something that you, you want to make the most of. And then you have these other interests to sort of, I don't know, give you perspective. Um, some, some, something's working right. I'll, I'll, I'll say that much. I, I still can't believe how fast you ran as a 12 year old, 53. So I guess that's the question. How fast can you really run a 400? 
Because I think your best is only 52-3. Like, what's your best relay split? Of course, the relay, my best relay split is the relay split I ran at Oregon, which was 49-7. So it's 49-7. But I don't run the 400 often. So, you know, it's just one of those things that I used. When I was younger, I used to do the 400 as well as the 800. Um, now, as I've gotten through Oregon, um, it was more so the 800 and the relays. And so now we're just with Pete, we're just kind of getting a feel for a lot. I mean, I did the mile this year and the 15. So not to say I'm going to be going up because I hope not and I don't plan on it. But, you know, I can go down or I can go up. Hey, you're going to Chicago for the Chicago Marathon this weekend. I think some long distances in your future. What's your longest run ever of your life? You won't catch me in a marathon. Um, but my longest run ever in my life is I probably I've done like hour. Actually, yeah, I've done hour runs. Wow. So that's not, that's not that long, actually. Well, for for an eight hundred runner who also does four hundred, that's pretty long. <laughs> yeah, for a four hundred eight hundred, it is long, but you know. Yeah, you were great as a twelve year old world youth level that sort of stuff. You go on, but each level there's a, it's a big jump in talent. You go to Oregon. You didn't make NCAA indoors your fr- you know your freshman year, but once outdoors you made it. You never lost. You won outdoors that year, then you won everything after that. What do you? Do you just attribute that to your competitiveness and, your, and the coaches there? Or, you know, how, how do you think you had such instant success at Oregon? Well, it comes down to the expectations that I hold on myself. Um, it comes down to the extra work that's being put in um, because people don't see the extra work that goes into, you know, what we're doing. You could, you could, I could tell you what I'm doing doing for a workout but you won't really know what I'm doing um and so that's just the reality is that I'm always thinking of ways to get better um and Oregon was a great um platform that had amazing resources and structure um and a culture that embodied being the best athlete you could be and that alone you're training against the best in practice. You're lining up with some of the best other athletes in college in practice. So it's already a competitive atmosphere, but a healthy um, atmosphere that embodied just the track town culture. The Oregon culture is sort of unparalleled. And I mean, you, you really ran with it. So then I guess in 2017, you decided to turn pro, give up your senior year. Yes. And then you had to pick a coach and you joined AJ Wilson's group, Derek Thompson. Mm-hmm. Moved out to, well, I guess you stayed at Oregon to like finish the year, but eventually moved out to Philadelphia, right? Yes. Now I know from coming from Texas, that was probably hard because they work out indoors up there. Which, I mean, outdoors, which is crazy in the winter. Yeah. But you had really good success. You ran 157 in 2018. And then in 2019, you get the silver medal at Worlds. And it sounds like you're, you're, you're close with, with Ajay as well. She came to your 25th birthday party. That's one of the gr- greatest 800 groups in America. 
Mm-hmm. So, th- but then you then last year you decided to leave. So, kind of talk us through that process. It was just something that um, I had missed, just being around my mentor and just around the resources that were available. And um, yeah, it was just it wasn't anything personal. I mean, both coaches are great and talented. It was just a decision that being away from home and being away from kind of the structure that I was used to, I just decided to kind of make that change towards another group that was structured well. Makes sense. And when you say mentor, you have somebody in Oregon who sort of mentors you like mm-hmm. in life or? No, she's my, she ran at University of Oregon. Her name is Ellen Schmidt Devlin. And so we, she became my mentor since I was a freshman and she kind of, she's the one that introduced me to Madeline she is over. Um, she started the product design school from the business school at the University of Oregon in Portland. And so she's just been this second mom to me. She was so sad when I moved to Philadelphia because I was so far away. But, you know, when I couldn't go home to Houston during college, I'd spend Thanksgivings with her. I'd be with her family a lot. So that became like my second family. That's great. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you guys have a great relationship. We do. So when you've switched over to Pete, I guess last year, was that a tough transition at first or it went pretty smoothly? I would say at first it was different because the group is so used to just texting so much um, and like really kind of talking a lot in a group chat, but it's not a bad thing. It's just one of those things that like, they actually have a um like it's more like p team you know kind of like college type of atmosphere but not really um there's a there's a structure there with my group in philly like we were like like sisters you know so we'd see each other at practice we'd have a great time and then of course like we'd work out and like Derek's there but we'd hang out like after track as friends and so this is a little different because um the group is more like a team kind of atmosphere. <laughs> it's not like your sisters. You're texting more now. You're saying it's sort of a little more formal. Yeah. It's a little bit more like, you know, respond to the messages um, about practice and all this other stuff, <laughs> but it's a good, it's a healthy, um, it's a healthy kind of structure, like family atmosphere as well. Like Pete loves, each and every one of us. And you can tell that he loves us so much. He's kind of like the dad of all of us. And we all just have these different personalities, which is just really amazing because we're all very talented. And so it's kind of cool to see in what ways we're just so similar. Yeah. Who do you, who do you usually work out with? So I've done some workouts with Jess and Jordan and Alexa. And then I've hopped in some with like Don and Craig um, but I also have a, another training partner. Um, and so most of the time I do a lot of the workouts by myself, but I've done some stuff with, um, Jess and Jordan and Alexa. Whatever you guys are doing d- definitely worked. And so you're in Houston now. Do you try to get back home every year or, or is that just cause the Olympics you have more of a break? Well, I'm in Houston now, and so I like to come home and just kind of spend time with family um, and just regroup. 
And that's what I've been doing, but I'm also about to start back training. And so shortly I'll probably be going back to Portland. Yeah, first you got that marathon. Don't don't get the marathon bug. I'm warning you, don't get it. Right. A couple sort of questions, I think, to help some other people get stuff out of their running career. One simple question. What's the one piece of advice you would give another runner? One piece of advice I would give another runner, as long as you're progressing, you're moving in the right direction. That makes sense. Yeah, it's just the reality. I mean, everything else around, if you really simplify it, it's just adding to it. But as long as you are progressing, then you're going in the right direction. And also, I think, you know, we forget that, like, you guys are human. All the success you've had, I'm sure you've had some tough moments, dark moments, like what's the toughest part of your running career and how'd you deal with that? I mean, the toughest part definitely is your when you're dealing with the mental part. Um, and I have, I mean, I've dealt with that by talking to my, my sports psychologist and she's like my best friend. Like we talk about a bunch of stuff and, She's just very understanding as like, she doesn't talk to you as though, you know, it's much more of a trusting me, like me trusting talking with her because she doesn't make it. So like, you know, this is my job. This is what I have to say. It's very fluid. It's very trusting. And so when I'm going through um, whatever it is, whether it's a race I'm not proud of or not happy about, I'm talking with her about it. Or even if practice is going well, I'm updating her. Um, and so just keeping that healthy relationship, talking with my sports psychologist is how a lot of the, a lot of what's helped me get through those tough times too. And how often do you talk to her? Just whenever I'm feeling a little iffy about whether or a little down, she just helps me understand the process. Like even going into Olympic trials with being, having a lot of anxiety, it was just one of those things that I was able to talk with her about and she was actually able to find, you know, help me see that, you know, having anxiety or being nervous is a good thing because it means that you actually care about the outcome and which is true. And so sometimes you just need someone to help you understand a different perspective. Yeah, for sure. We all have pressures in our lives, but Olympic trials, that sort of stuff. It's just it's one race every four years. Athletes can really put extra pressure on themselves. So it's good that you got some of the talk. It was a long, it was a long year, long two years. Yeah, and do you think with COVID and everything, we were social creatures, but we couldn't see as many people. Did you have any extra difficulty kind of dealing with that? Everybody sort of went through it in different ways, but it doesn't mean it's easy for anybody. Did you find that? extra hard um i moved during covid so (laughs) that was already a a thing in itself but um i still i think covid just sort of it, it worked it was good for me because it presented the opportunity if i wanted to consider some different things which i ended up doing um but I feel like it kind of became hard when it came to races, Um, just trying to get those races in and, you know, just with all the kind of rules that were put in place and um, 
whether meets were going to happen or not. It just wasn't as consistent as I feel like us as the professionals have been used to for so many years. I mean, you're just so used to so many years of consistency and routine and schedule. And then here's a, here's a year that's thrown off everything. And now it's more so like, you're not so sure if things are going to happen. And so it just, it was just a little bit more um, challenging in those areas. Yeah, it was a bizarre year. I, I, I want 2022 to be normal. I don't know if we'll ever get back to the old normal, but mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine being an athlete with, you know, you think the Olympics is coming up. It's, you know, what you've been focusing on for four years. And then all of a sudden it's postponed. You don't know what's going to happen. You're not allowed to see your friends and train and all that stuff. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's been wild. We hand, you handled it very well. And, you know, you've handled a, a tremendous career very well. I guess more advice, I guess, for the for any sort of young phenom, or what advice would you give them? Because I think you've handled the transition so well. What would you say to some 12-year-old girl who's really good at track and field or soccer, tennis, anything, I guess, for that? I would definitely say and have fun and, you know, when people are, you know, just stay at it because your friends may kind of fall off or they may not want to do it anymore. But, you know, I, I'm the one, I mean, there were people around who saw the potential in me and even before I could understand it, um, being that young. And so, but what carried me to continue to progress is that I enjoyed what I was doing and, I enjoyed just the challenge of just getting better and getting better and getting better. And so have fun with what you're doing. And if you don't have fun anymore, um, rethink some things and also try other things, whether it's other sports. I did three sports in middle school, high school. Um, So that also provided balance. So just, you know, have fun being a kid. Yeah. What were your other sports? I did volleyball and basketball. You seem to definitely enjoy running. I mean, I only see you meets here and there, but you always seem to have a smile on yourself and just talking to you today. Like I, I, I get the impression you do enjoy what you do. And I think that probably is the key to your success or one of the keys. I mean, obviously you got to work very hard. <laughs> of course. No, I do. Um, I do. And I enjoy people that I've come across from just being able to even share the, um, the, you know, love of running, even to go into the marathon, because there's, that's a place where people love running people that do marathons. They have personal goals that they're trying to meet. And so just being able to be there and watch them um, just go after their goals is, you know, it's a community. And, and I, I think it's really probably the track town in me that just really just shares that love of just supporting other runners. We'll keep it up and keep inspiring people because I think that your spirit's sort of contagious and hopefully we'll we'll see it for a long time. You're very young, 25. You know, you act like 25 was 40. You're you're a young kid. Around for a while. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Raven, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks to Thorne. We're joined by Ajay Wilson. Former American record holder at 800 meters, two-time world championship bronze medalist, uh, 
She did make the Olympic team this year. Ajay, thanks for talking to us. Hey, thanks for having me. First, let's talk about the season. You made it back to the Olympics, but I assume it's not the season you wanted to have. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So how how do you see your season? (laughs) I I think I was happy that I was able to make my second Olympic team. Um, Things definitely didn't play out how I wanted them to, but all things considered, like it was, you know, I feel like it was um, like it was an okay year. Like it wasn't one of my best, but yeah, I was still proud of of how I finished. And I know you had some like setback before the trials. You didn't want to talk about it then. You still not want to talk about like what what limited your preparation. That's fine if you don't. But I'm just kind of curious. What do you feel like set you back this year a little bit? Yeah, I just feel like um, throughout the year, I kind of just had broken up training from you know, from January through. And I think when I'm most confident when I'm training and I'm putting in the work, so not having that as consistently as I wanted to definitely was part of the equation. But I think generally I'm very much just, uh, you know, what you deliver is what you deliver, what you're able to put together like that. That's what it is. And that should kind of speak for itself. You've been the standard bearers at the U.S. I mean, kind of the world level too, for mm-hmm. outside of well, the, essentially the three women who aren't allowed to compete at 800 anymore, but for you've been the best. And I feel like the world hasn't seen you at the Olympics and you haven't made the final, but are you confident you can get back to 155 Ajay Wilson or 156 Ajay Wilson? Do you think that's still there? I mean, you're only 27. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that, you know, my best years aren't behind me and, you know, I'm excited to, to get to get back out there and you know it's a, com- a super competitive field right now so um, I'm excited to get back in the mix when you see what a thing did this year were you shocked at how fast she ran she'd never run under 201 before this year and she runs 155 gets your American record wins the Olympics I think that those are some of the things kind of people expected for you but were you su- surprised excited by her kind of tell us what you thought about her season yeah, she had an, an incredible season. And I think from, you know, some of her races indoors, like early in the collegiate season, like, you know, we know it was going to be, you kind of saw that, that talent, maybe not to like, I don't think I, you know, could have predicted her, her year. I don't think anyone could, well, she probably could just because, you know, as an athlete, you have goals and ambitions, but yeah, she had an incredible year, especially for like a quote unquote, like first year out, first season, definitely just amazing to to kind of watch her accomplish what she has. There's probably some advantage to being young and naive, right? <laughs> well, I think it goes both ways because for every young athlete coming in, who's super just bright eyed and ready to go, there's always the, the athlete that comes in who's more cautious and may not bet on themselves as much. So if we have to pick a side, I definitely think she's she's got the right mentality and mindset. This fall, winter, are you kind of kind of gonna go back to doing what you did working with Coach Thompson? Do you think it'll just be sort of more of the same or do you guys think like, oh, we need to change some things up? Um yeah, I think every year oddly enough has been very different than the previous and you know, sometimes I'm kind of shocked at like, wow, I thought I knew what was going on, but, you know, he figures out a new way to kind of get me where I need to be. So we, 
started up maybe like a week or two ago of just base running and we'll start workouts uh, in the next week or so. So we're excited and yeah, ready to get back at it. We just start putting that working again. And who's still in the group with you? Is like Charlene still in the group? Who, who do you have to train with? Yeah, Charlene's still there. Ursula's there. She's um, a younger up and coming runner. Who else is with us? It's been so long since we've met up because I've been on break. Rob Downs is with us. So we're a relatively smaller group right now. Kind of like when me and Shaw first started 2017. It's it's back to like more of those type of vibes. Both you guys are running really good back then. Like Charlene sort of struggled, you know, more so than you, I would say the last few years. Everybody's kind of their own, you know, free agent. But mm-hmm. do you feel like you thrive your best when you have someone kind of pushing you in practice or are you able to do it on your own? Yeah, I'm definitely, I think, a better runner when you know, I have a teammate and I feel like I've always been able to have that. Sure. I was like my first female teammate, but before that, like I'd had athletes that dare coach through high school or that were returning to give professional running a try, um, that were, who were guys, but my, probably my best season 2017, like Char was my main training partner and Trevon Rainford, who dare coached through high school came back and he was like our pacer through, through workouts. Running with the the guys helps. I mean, you still ran, you know, I don't want to like diminish your season too much this mm-hmm. year. You weren't hundred percent. You still ran one fifty seven eight in that mixed race and at Penn. So you still ran pretty fast this year. Yeah. Like I, like I said, for definitely having some time to kind of take a step back. It wasn't, um, it wasn't like a season that I expected for myself, but by all standards, like it wasn't like I had a trash year. And I think <laughs> because, you know, the accomplishments or, you know, wins or finishes didn't correlate with that. It doesn't take away from the fact that, yeah, it was, it was still a decent year. Like you made an Olympic team. So. Yeah. And with world in the U S next year, does that give you extra motivation? Oh, absolutely. At trials this year, my sisters were able to come watch me compete and they've never been to like a major championship before especially to just like watch they kind of always just watch from home so having them there was like super awesome they had a great time um having that support like just made it definitely one of my favorite meets so far and to hopefully be able to have those moments with more family and on U.S. soil it's an exciting year it's it's an exciting um thing to think about for sure I met your family at, at Milrose one time and, you know, they're really into it, I guess, probably like a lot of people's families, but I think a lot of times, well, when you've been at the top for so long and doing so well, we sort of, I don't know, it's easy as sort of as a fan as a journalist to forget that there's all these people behind you supporting mm-hmm. you. that means so much to you and they don't get to see you race. So yeah. the opportunity to see you at a world in the U.S., that'll be great. Absolutely. Yeah. And all right, talk a little bit about Thorn and the Better Health campaign. Kind of what's what's that about? I'm super excited to partner with Thorn and their Better Health campaign. I discovered them in 2019, just through starting to take in, needing to take a better iron supplement. And the thing that attracted me to the to the company is just how thorough and trustworthy their products are. 
I feel like over the years, I've become more and more careful just about with what I put into my body and they're focused on high quality products. Just the testing that they do being NSF certified just gives me the peace of mind that, you know, I can meet any needs that I have and do that with confidence and with comfort. I think the other cool thing about Thorn is that it's not just for, you know, elite athletes or, or people who, you know, are training at this highest, highest level, like they really prioritize just overall health. And so, you know, whether you're an athlete or, you know, someone who's just taking their health or fitness more seriously, or someone who just wants to feel better on the daily, you know, there's a, there's something for everyone. Well, I see Gail Devers is working with Thorne as well. She was on the mm-hmm. podcast. She used to be at the top like you, and now she's not. But everybody wants, you know, products that they can take and make them have better days, better better workouts, that sort of stuff. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, sort of firsthand, right, from the, the tainted beef, the importance of – like at the time, no one really realized what that was, I think. I think – and now with, the you know, Shelby Houlihan's case, I mean mm-hmm. – win her appeal but people are realizing athletes working with reputable companies and products that are sourced properly is, is super mm-hmm. important absolutely for sure turning to the like indoor season are we going to see you at, at Milrose? like indoor seems like it's always been a big part of your mm-hmm. preparations do, do you think it'll be kind of similar this year as to what you've done in the past yeah uh love indoors love racing indoors um Definitely looking forward to Melrose as usual. I'm not sure where Nationals is this year, but that's that's usually where we kind of cap the season. I'm not sure either. Is there like a World Indoors or something like that this year? There is, it's, right? It's funny. I'm trying to think myself. I'm like, wait, we're not. Because I think it was supposed to be in China last year. So I think they have, yeah. I think there is one this year now because okay. it got moved. Um, yeah, so going to Nationals and trying to make that team and. I feel like I've gotten bronze at all outdoor world, two outdoor worlds, silver at the two indoor worlds that I've been to. So definitely going to try and go for that team and, you know, go for gold. The fact sort of that like the top people are American now, does, does that make it easier? Do you think about getting gold or is it just no different or just makes you more motivated or it's all the same? You always wanted the gold medal. Yeah, it's it's no different. I think in some ways it's it's more exciting. I remember my first uh, world championships, making the finals with Alicia and Brenda, and just how excited I felt to be a part of that final and for three all three USA people to make it. So, yeah, that's that's the one thing that's different, but just more enriching about the experience. You know, when the top top runners are American. You've been in the toughest event the American women at 800 have been the best for pretty much like a decade. So for sure. And the other thing that I guess you do a little bit differently is, you know, you train outdoors in Philly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, come on, you're, you're tougher than everybody, right? I mean, that, that, <laughs> of it. well, at least, at least in, in races where like the conditions aren't the best, it might be cold or rainy. At least that's what I tell myself in my head of like, Hey, some people might be freaked out about this, but this is, this is what you're, you're used to. This is what you train in. So I kind of tap into that and definitely think it's an advantage being able to just train. You never find an indoor track to go train on. 
So maybe like three years ago when Angel Picarillo was training with us, uh, she was still an assistant coach at Villanova. So sometimes they would let us come into their sessions when they trained at Haverford. But that's pretty much the only time that we've been indoors. Um, our gym was Planet Fitness, so we lift and stuff on there, but in there. But in terms of indoor facilities, there isn't really a lot um, in the Philly area. So yeah, we're we're outside at parks or on you know street courses and you know open tracks. That's crazy. Well, I'm from Texas, and now I live in Connecticut, but I I don't like the winter, so. Thorn or somebody out there, somebody with an indoor track, help AJ out. Like, come on. <laughs> it might make you soft, though. It might make you soft. <laughs> yeah, I think I've, I've I've been in Philly for, this will be my 10th season coming up. So I think I've done my time to where it's like, I don't think it'll make, I don't think I'll, I'll lose any of the, the toughness that I've, I've gained over the years. <laughs> All right. Keep it up and thank you for the time. And hopefully you can upgrade the bronze and silver colors this year at Eugene 2022. Because the running world knows how good you've been the last decade. But I feel like the general public doesn't because they haven't seen it at the Olympics. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Eugene 22 is a perfect place for you. Yes, I'm excited. Super excited. All right. Thank you, Ajay. Thanks for the time. Thank you.